You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast, and today I'm joined by Shannon from Speechy Musings. In this episode, we discuss her AAC implementation toolkit, her trip to Ghana, and the five things she wants every SLP to know. You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy, so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here is your host, author, AAC specialist, and matcha tea lover, Vanita Litvak. She and her guests are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today I'm speaking with none other than Shannon from Speechy Musings. Shannon is a blogger and TPT author who creates practical and easy-to-use materials for pediatric SLPs. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's such a pleasure, and I'm sure most SLPs are familiar with you by now, but why don't we start by painting a picture for them? Tell us about who you are, what you do today, and how you got there. Definitely. So I'm Shannon. As you said, my blog name is Speechy Musings. Um, I work currently in a middle school, but I started in an outpatient clinic, and I've also worked in a preschool, Um, so all pediatrics. I started my blog and selling and creating materials um, in my first semester of grad school. So I think it was maybe six or seven, six and a half years ago now, which is kind of wild to think about. Um, And yeah, and I love love the creative process. I've loved connecting with other SLPs. So it's just been really, honestly, a blast. That's amazing. Yeah. How did you manage to have a blog and run a TPT store? Was it TPT when you started selling the materials? It was, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, Back in grad school, I could like barely (laughs) survive. (laughs) I swear, like, I mean, so I moved away for grad school. So I lived across the country. I didn't know anybody and I was very far from my family. So I think I actually started it over Thanksgiving when all my friends from grad school went home and I was stuck in my apartment and was like, I need an outlet because I'm sitting here. Um, But I actually think grad school is a great time to make materials because you're just so in the speech world. You know, all my brain is thinking about is speech. And so um, I I found that actually almost a little bit easier than balancing full-time work and, um, you know, the, the business side of things, which is kind of funny. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Part of my problem was I had a part-time job as a um, research and teaching assistant, which was Mm -hmm. great because the professor understood like the demands of graduate school. But Mm -hmm. I think like you said, you're already creating those materials. You're in the thick of it. You probably are very well aware of like the research-based evidence at that point because they're just kind of throwing it at you. Exactly. So that's great. It's smart that you capitalized on that. Yeah, it worked really well. Everyone's always like, how did you, you know, do it? I'm like, I think some of my best materials were made in grad school because you're not worrying about the day-to-day realities of being an SLP. You're really thinking about research and best practice and then have lots of, you know, kids in the clinic to experiment on. So it was nice. That's great. I love that. So speaking of materials, I bought your AAC implementation toolkit and I absolutely love it. So tell me, why did you create it and what does it include for the listeners? Because I already am familiar with it. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm glad you bought it and like it. I love Um, it. So like I mentioned, my first job was in an outpatient clinic. 
So I worked with so many children that used AAC devices at that job. Um, and at that, it was my first job out of grad school. And I just realized a huge obstacle in the AAC world is getting everyone on the same page and having the device used outside of the therapy setting. So that was five years ago. And I spent the last five years um, putting out or figuring out the best, most systematic way of explaining effective AAC implementation and to anybody. So like parents or staff or paras, special ed teachers, just anybody else. So what are the most critical things that other people need to know in order to get these devices really out there and used? So what does it include? It includes a printable training guide and it has just tons of handouts, data collection sheets, challenges, um, editable pages. You can customize some of the forms like for your own caseload and a PowerPoint training that you can easily educate others on AAC. So you can use it for like staff training or parent trainings or pretty much anything. So yeah. I love it. Uh, Some of the things that I really liked in that um, toolkit is the posters. Those are great because I think those are nice to nice reminders to have around the classroom. Um, You have the core word of the month challenge. So that's great. And then uh, I like it's not like a curriculum, but you definitely show like the stages of AAC implementation. Mm -hmm. So it gives them something to work towards as well, which is awesome. Definitely. Yeah, it ended up way, way huger than I ever thought it would be. Um, (laughs) You know, I always wanted it to be paired with like other materials. I know lots of sellers sell really great AAC materials. And I wanted this to be more just like the foundation work of understanding kind of what's going on and then, you know, some action steps, but someone that reviewed it for me, I have SLPs like edit and review all of my products, you know, and she was like, this is like an AAC textbook, which really made me laugh. Cause I'm like, that's not at all what I meant to do, but it just kept going and going and going and turned into this like multi hundred page, you know, document. <laughs> so, it was pretty fun. Well, and I think you just covered like so many great areas. Like you talked about motor planning. You talked about like, you know, starting with single words, modeling, aided language stimulation. There's so many facets of AAC. Like sometimes we think of AAC as a communication app and that's it. Like anybody Mm -hmm. can pick it up and use it. But I love how you broke down like all of those really important aspects of implementing AAC and brought those to light. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I tried to make it as like not device specific. A lot out there is very app specific or device specific. And I just wanted it to be, you know, like you said, like the big picture things people need to know to kind of understand what we're doing with AAC. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you don't have it yet, make sure you get it. And if you're working with someone who uses AAC, I'm telling you, it is the best investment I made all year. So thank you. You're so kind. I mean it. But, um, and you've also created another wonderful resource. I didn't purchase this one yet, but I'm thinking about it. Um, your high frequency word list. I know that when you first posted about it, you said like, why would I create this again? There's already so many articulation word lists out there, you know, coming from a core vocabulary background, I was like, wow, this is incredible. So tell me why you created that. Um, you know, given that there are already so many resources there. Definitely. So I currently work in a middle school, like I said, and I feel like the articulation resources that are already out there didn't really work for me. So I tend to do really, really simple artic therapy, especially at the middle school. Kids are burned out. We need to get in, get out. I can't have them missing class time. So I don't do themes or games or like creative, engaging activities for my articulation students in middle school. So I wanted something that was age appropriate, that was really drill-based. And I've also just seen a ton of success incorporating high-frequency words. So 
a lot of like the old school um, super duper books, you know, would have like thongs and thimble and the words that my kids are just like, what, <laughs> what is happening? You know, um, the motivation just crumbles when you're targeting just kind of ridiculous things like that. So I tried to focus on words like this, that, those things that my students are actually getting tripped up on in conversation. So I noticed like carryover seemed a little bit better. My students were a little more motivated and we just got in, got to work and, and got done with it. So it worked better for my older students. That's incredible. Yeah. So three years ago, I had gone to a training on apraxia and she kind of talked about all the different approaches like prompt and the one by Nancy. I don't know why I can't think of it. The Kaufman? Yes, the Kaufman. (laughs) And then she mentioned that, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have with therapy that's geared towards apraxia is the type of words that we're teaching. So when it comes to generalization, they can't generalize those sounds because they were never taught how to say them in like functional words. Definitely. And so that's really awesome that you kind of managed to put that into a resource. Um, Now, I know that a lot of these words, they're functional, but they're really hard to represent in pictures. They're very abstract. Like how do you represent that in those? So how did you manage to do that in your research? So there's no, it's, it's a bit of a unique Arctic resource, but there's no images. There's no pictures. Um, it's very literacy based. So I do a lot of reading sentences, co- even copying the word and, and writing the word. So there's no, and I have flashcards where you can draw your own pictures. So the student is representing what it means to them, um, which seems to work well, but I don't do pictures. So my, and then, I mean, the perk is that a lot of these words are also sight words. So my teachers that I work with love it because I'm working on the same skills that, I mean, most of my students that have articulation delays at the middle school level are also in services for reading. So it kind of works out. We're targeting those sight words, the drill, the reading, literacy, kind of all in one when doing our tick. So there's actually no pictures. So I kind of eliminated that issue. I love it. It's your point. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I mean, and at the middle school level too. You know. Yeah, things are just different at the middle school level. It just right. requires kind of a different set of materials or a different mindset sometimes. And then, you know, if the motivation isn't there, they're not making progress, I'm a lot more apt to dismiss. So I just want to get them in and get making progress, you know, as fast as possible. So, yeah, I don't know if you mentioned this, but is it only for specific sounds? Um, it, yeah, I, so I have the packets right now for all the upper later developing sounds. So again, there's no pictures, so I didn't include, you know, like K or G. It was just later developing sounds. So. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, kind of switching gears a little bit, you recently mentioned on Instagram that your love for travel and making resources started on your trip to Kenya, which is amazing. Thank you. I would love to hear about that trip and then why you decided to join Smiles for Speech on their trip to Ghana this summer. Yeah. So anyone that's followed me for a little while know that I love travel, just totally obsessed. And I stock travel deal websites all the time for all the cheap (laughs) flights. And I'm just always dreaming of where I want to go next. Um, I didn't travel at all growing up. So I feel like I have a lot of time to make up for. And the more I travel, the more places I add to my list. It's kind of funny. So in undergrad, you mentioned me going to Kenya. Um, Many of my roommates were engineers and I lived, I lived with nine or 10 girls through most of undergrad in a big house, which was really fun. And a lot of them were engineers. Um, So they were part of a organization called Engineers Without Borders that travels and does engineering projects in developing countries. So they mentioned they could use somebody to lead the education side of things. So, you know, it's a group of engineers and not many people wanted to actually get up and train people and teach kids and do that part. So 
I joined on to take over kind of the training education side of things of the engineering projects. So I ended up taking a few engineering classes in undergrad. I took welding of all things, um, (laughs) which is so random, but we made biosand water filters in Kenya. So we had to actually weld them um, in rural Kenya, you know, so I had to, I had to learn it all. Um, So we stayed in a really, really rural village in Kenya. I went twice and we stayed for about a month each trip. Um, So we had, I mean, we lived in a true kind of mud house, which was really interesting and really eye-opening. It was one of my first times leaving the country. So I went really big for my first first time. (laughs) Um, So I led education about sanitation, the biosand filters, farming, and all sorts of things. So that's actually how I met my husband too. So it was kind of a whole life-altering trip. Um, so now I work in a school, so that obviously limits how much I can travel during the year. Um, we only get two personal days a school year in my district, which is tough um, to kind of allocate them. So once I decided to go part-time and I'm doing you know, more speechy musing things, I promised one of my perks was going to be being able to use some of that extra time and do some SLP-related traveling or volunteering. So I feel like vacation traveling is totally different than volunteer traveling for me. Like we're volunteer traveling, it just connects you to people a lot more, a lot more locals and even the people you go with. So I'm really, really excited to combine like my love professionally and my love for travel and go to Ghana. So we're going to be working, I think, mostly in schools for kids with autism in Ghana, which is another really big professional interest of mine. So it kind of just all clicked together in an amazing way. Yeah. That is so incredible. And I love the story that you met your husband. I know. It was like such a a life-changing kind of random part of my life. You know, if you look on like my resume or anything, it's like, what is all these engineering things? (laughs) um, But it really was such a turning point, I think, for me, which is great. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you're kind of being pulled to do something that's totally out of your comfort zone. And when you do, it's just something life-changing happens. So it's awesome that you went for it and What an amazing story. Exactly. So how long are you going to be in Ghana for? Um, I think just a little under two weeks. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's kind of different, you know, like when we did, um, and I obviously have been on the trip, so I'm not totally sure how it'll go. I'll have to report out. But when I did Kenya, we, um, we went just to like one rural community. We stayed in the same house the whole time. Um, and here we're kind of traveling around the country to different sites and doing training and providing resources and things to these different locations. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you know if people can donate to the organization or the project? Okay. Yes. So I can um, probably share the link with you after if we want to put it in show notes. And I will be posting more on social media. We're definitely doing a big fundraising push. I know some of the schools like don't have chairs, for example. So we were looking to do some fundraising for that or even just to purchase, you know, certain materials that we're going to print and provide to the kids there. So definitely. Okay, great. Yeah, their website is um, smilesforspeech.org. And they have all the information on even the trips and anyone can apply to their future trips. They're always planning cool things and they have a lot of info on there. Okay, perfect. If someone's listening to this after the summer of 2019, Smiles for Speech does trips, right? Kind of year round. Yep. Yep. I think they planned another one for October. So that would be October, 2019. So they're, I mean, they're always kind of coming up and, and doing different things in different places. So Perfect. Yeah. And who runs it? It's Sandy. I forgot her last name. Sandy D, I think. Yeah. She's amazing. 
Yes, she is so, so friendly and so great. That's great. I'm excited well, to meet everyone. We're all, um, you know, I've just met people online. I think the um, SLP Toolkit ladies are going too. Um, so it'll be fun to meet some of these people in real life. That's going to be a blast. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see your Instagram stories. Hopefully you guys will take some. Yeah, definitely. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to start a private practice or see a few clients privately? Maybe you thought about it, but you're not sure where to start. The thought of billing insurance or managing client schedules just seems way too overwhelming. I totally understand because recently I started to consider taking on private clients and got so intimidated by the whole scheduling and billing process. Around that same time, Fusion Web Clinic, a practice management software designed specifically for pediatric therapists, reached out to me to see if they could offer the listeners of this podcast, you, a promotional code. I wanted to check out the software before sharing it with you, and you guys, I was so impressed. A woman named Sarah walked me through the entire program, and apparently they do that for every new client. The software appears to be really user-friendly, and Sarah explained that what differentiates it from other EMR programs is that they offer unlimited support, no setup fees, and the software was developed by an OT and SLP who understand our field. If I do decide to go with an EMR system, it will definitely be Fusion Web Clinic. To learn more and check out Fusion's library of free resources, visit them online at fusionwebclinic.com slash speechysideup. And if you sign up for a free demo of their software, mention speechysideup to receive a $50 credit off your first month of Fusion. So another thing that I really admire is all of your inspirational quotes that you post on social media. It really speaks to a lot of SLPs and you're just very optimistic and you want SLPs to thrive in their work setting. So what are five things that you want every SLP to know? Yeah, well, thank you first. That's very kind. Um, I have like, I have a major obsession with quotes. Like, I don't even remember when I started this, but when I was younger, I had a full wall of my bedroom where you couldn't even see any of the wall. It was all photos and quotes tacked up like over the entire wall. So this has been my, I feel like my Instagram is like my wall when I was younger. (laughs) It was like all of my favorite things. Um, Yeah. So I think if I could share five of the things, some of these are probably things that I've shared before, but I think my top five would be number one, to take care of yourself. Um, I see a lot of people burn out in this profession and it's just so common in any helping profession. Um, and so you'll be able to help a lot more people when you can stay engaged with the profession in a long-term way and not burn out. Number two is probably if you're struggling, try experimenting with working in different settings and with different ages. So I never, ever, ever would have thought that I would like middle school. I just got a job in a district I wanted to work in and I I did not pick middle school and I thought I'll take it and I'm going to shift my way down into preschool. But it is absolutely amazing. And for me, honestly, so much easier than preschool. So I actually come home with energy to spare for my family versus when I did preschool, I was very burned out. And just a lot of that I would never have known unless I branched out and tried a different age range. So I feel like if you're experiencing burnout or you just feel like it's just not right for you, I would just keep switching um, because there's lots of different settings and things um, that make a really big difference. I love that suggestion. Yeah. It was just such a random thing for me. I mean, I was dreading, I almost didn't take this job because I was like (laughs) middle school. That sounds horrible. But 
gosh, I just really have found my little niche in middle school. So it was very unexpected. And I did not like the middle schoolers that I worked with in grad school clinic. You know, I had no history of like this being a thing for me. So just keep, you know, stay flexible and and take opportunities that maybe are a little outside of your comfort zone. Great suggestion. Um, Thanks. So the third one is to keep things simple. So I kind of talked about my therapy being really simple and it, it really is. So I would say it might be fun to do all of the crafts and the creative activities you see on Instagram, but if it's costing you your piece, it's not worth it. So if it's fun for you, do it. If it's not, don't, you don't have to do these like really wild and extravagant, extravagant, you know, plans. For sure. Um, number four is to be committed to lifelong learning. I just, this field is so big and there's so much to learn. So just really commit to trying to learn something each month or even each school year, setting a, an intention of an area you want to get better in. Um, I think understanding the theory behind what you're doing can really help you just be a better SLP and feel a little less overwhelmed because you know, you feel more confident with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And the last thing is that uh, I would just like, I posted this recently on Instagram, but I just said like, you can do this. So the first couple of years after graduating are so hard. Everyone goes through struggle in these years, and I think a lot of SLPs feel like they're the only one out there just having a hard go of it, and I think they take it personally. Um, So just really, really hang in there and know that you're not the only one who struggles with kind of the, you know, difficult kiddos we might have to work with and pressures in schools and settings for productivity that are really challenging. So after your first couple of years, I think you'll still have moments of difficulty. And it's just really important to remind yourself that you're strong and capable and smart and important, even if you don't get a lot of recognition for the work you do. Because I think some settings are kind of thankless too. And you might feel, you know, you're not doing a good job because you're not getting all this feedback. And I just don't think our jobs, we just don't often get a lot of that feedback. So it can be a little tricky. Yeah. Oh, such good suggestions. So just to recap, take care of yourself, try experimenting with different settings and ages, keep things simple, um, engage in lifelong learning and remember that you can do this. Yes. That's a good summary. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So for our game, I know that you love travel. So I wanted to do a this or that travel edition. Perfect. I love it. So, um, It's just going to be two choices, and you tell me which one you prefer. You ready? Yeah, ready. All right, let's do it. Um, Sand or snow? Snow. Snow. (laughs) I live in Wisconsin. I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you ski? I don't. I I have skied. I don't regularly ski. Okay. I'm more of a snowshoer. Oh, cool. Yeah, Yeah, or just hiking in the snow. Yeah, Yeah, you do a lot of hiking. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So do you like traveling solo or with a group? With a group, 100%. I like can't do anything by myself. I'm funny that way. (laughs) Well, I was going to say the one to Kenya, that was like one of your first big trips, but you went with a big group of girls, right? um, uh, Just a big group. It was, um, I didn't really know anyone in the group, but it it was a big group, which is okay. Even if I don't know anyone, I like having people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's safer, I think. Traveling. Yeah, there yeah. are some people that love traveling solo. Yeah, that would be a struggle. Like, I don't even like to go out to restaurants or movies or anything by myself. So, a whole trip would be a big challenge for me. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, do you carry, a, do you usually have like a big suitcase or do you like stick to a backpack? 
Um, I'm a very, very, very light packer. So as small as I can go, I, I, in those flights that, you know, United or something got rid of the carry on, I I'll just go without, without a carry on. Then I just do a backpack or a small bag. So. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. a sign of an experienced traveler. Yeah. Yeah. It must be. I feel like I've gotten worse and worse at like underpacking and I like underpack something every time, but I just can't get myself to prepare better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. What about a hotel or Airbnb? Airbnb. Definitely. So many fun places. Yeah. I feel like Airbnb, sometimes I travel to the place just for the Airbnb. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many cool ones. Did you guys stay in Airbnb? Cause you went to South Africa too, right? Yeah. Yep. We did. Um, we did, when we did the safari, we did like a regular, um, I don't even like a lodge, a safari lodge, but the rest of the trip we did all Airbnbs and just rented a car and drove around. So it was great. That's awesome. What's your favorite Airbnb that you've been to? Um, the one that we stayed at in Cape Town, South Africa, it was up on a hill and you could see table mountain and all the mountains around. And it was just, Oh, it was amazing. We got there and all the power was out. So it was pitch black in the middle of the night and we woke up and then from our bed, you could see the whole city and we didn't, know what view we had and it was still just like was so beautiful wow that sounds amazing yeah I would definitely recommend South Africa to anybody who's looking for a nice trip (laughs) what did you fly to South Africa um I don't even remember no um I feel like it was like United or something we just did I think it was you or Delta because Delta yeah it was straight Delta from Atlanta to South Africa we direct we did that's nice yeah it was amazing and then we did South African airways, like within South Africa. Okay. Did yeah. you have a blog post about South Africa? I did. Yeah. I have my whole itinerary. I was getting so many questions of where I stayed and stuff. So I just linked just basically my itinerary in there and shared the Airbnbs and everything. So Perfect. So if anybody's really interested, they can go look on your yeah, blog. Or message me. I, I love yeah. chatting. I'm like helping all these SLPs travel plan. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any plans for the summer? Yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot of plans. Yeah, we're going to Ghana. We're going to Asheville, North Carolina. And then I'm doing a trip to Cabo with some of my friends right after summer too. Fun. Yeah. We have a, I think this is going to be the year of travel because um, I'm not going back to work next school year, just hopefully for a year. Um, so we're kind of trying to maybe push a little bit more travel while my schedule is a little more flexible. Yeah, that makes sense. So is there any chance you could possibly go back? Because last year you weren't going to go back, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. I think there's a chance. I think it's a lot less this year, but you never know. I would love to go back um, part-time. It's just so hard to find kind of a, a gig that I can balance with the business. So I'm, I look at jobs literally every day. I'm obsessed. But I just, I'm like, told my husband, I was like, do not let me apply to any jobs. Do not, you know. <laughs> so we booked all these trips during the school year. And he was like, if we book all these trips, then you can't go back to work because, you know, <laughs> you have all these weeks off. I was like, okay. So I'm trying to like not let myself and just try to try to do the business thing for a year. We'll see. Yeah. It's hard when like that security blanket is there, but you also have like dreams for yourself. Exactly. Like I'm like, you know, it'd be so good to have a year off and really, and see how much I can get done. I mean, I have so many ideas and things I want to do, but then it is hard. I love the job and it's much more isolating being at home, trying to run a business by yourself than all the interaction we get at the schools and everything. So that's tricky to balance. Yeah. Do they have like SLP substitutes where they do? 
Yeah. So that, that's kind of my plan for next year would be to just sub for the SLPs in my district, which would be kind of cool because I can see um, like early childhood settings and I could see anything. I actually subbed as a para this school year during some of my days off as well, which was really fun. Oh, good. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You'll get your fix that way. Exactly. And then I get to see all my coworkers and it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> awesome. So I have a couple more. Do you prefer road trip or going on an airplane? Probably road trip, but I prefer the destinations that you can get to via airplane. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Nature or city? Nature, 100%. I usually don't really like cities much at all. <laughs> yeah. Spa or adventure? Adventure. Did you guys go on a honeymoon? We did. We went to Alaska. Oh, that's adventurous. Very adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. It was uh, great, yeah. Last one. Do you prefer museum or garden? Garden. I actually really, I don't want to say despise museums, but they're not my favorite place. <laughs> Once you've gone to like one or two, it's like one or too many. Yeah. Well, and I actually like children's museums are like some of my favorite or science museums, but I don't like art or things where you're just like looking and you're not engaging or very, I don't know, boring to me a bit. Yeah. I, I need to get a little bit more cultured. I think they're, they're hard for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're hard. You know, I don't really like museums at all, but the one in New York was surprisingly really good. The Moda Museum, oh, I think Museum of Modern okay. Art, MoMA, not Moda. <laughs> really, really good. Nice. Well, I'm so glad that you agreed to come on and this interview exceeded my expectations. So I hope it was as, as enjoyable for you. It was great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. So if people want to find you and connect with you, although they probably already are, but if not, where can they find you? I'm everywhere just at Speechy Musings. So Facebook, Instagram's probably the fastest and best way to connect with me or through email, just speechymusings at gmail.com. Awesome. And I will link the um, Smiles for Speech in the show notes as well and um, all of your other websites too. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Until next time. Did something in this episode really resonate with you? Want to know what other SLPs thought about it too? While you might feel isolated in your work setting, every week you're tuning in with thousands of other SLPs. Crazy, right? You can connect with some of these other SLPs on the private Speechy Side Up Pod Facebook group so you don't have to feel like you're doing this alone. We just ask that you leave a positive review before you request to join. This helps to spread the word and get more interviews with experts in our field. Thank you for listening and I hope to see you on Facebook.